Okay, so while they do that, I'm going to read us a passage, family, from Isaiah chapter 43. And it's one simple verse, and it says this, Behold, Isaiah 43, 19, Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I read this, this um, verse from Isaiah, and it reminds me, it makes me think about what the Lord is doing and how he is at work in our, in our, own, in our own midst here. Last week, for those of you who were here, we talked about uh, Genesis chapter 4. We talked about the story of Cain and Abel, and we talked about how the Lord has made us a family unit. He's called us and made us brothers and sisters. Those who are going to help me out this morning, you guys can come on ahead and um, take your seats up here. And we, we're, the, we talked about this because the, what we're hearing, what we're seeing, what we're even reading from Scripture is that the Lord has an intention for his church. He has an intention for us as a family. He's bringing us to a place. Church for so long has, um, has been something, maybe not always what the Lord has intended for it, but even now, in these days and in the days ahead, he's calling us to a heightened awareness of himself. And he's calling us to a new level of being the church. You know, we have this kind of well-practiced in our head. What is the church? Church is not a building. We are the church. What does that mean? Because in the, same, in the, in the next breath, we say, we're going to church. It's a place that you go to. So what, what, is, what does the church do? As a church, is, is this what we do? Is this being the church? Or is this being the church? What is being the church? What is being a Christian community really supposed to look like? The Lord's been um, stirring, uh, for a number of us throughout, throughout the congregation here, stirring in our spirits and, and really challenging what, we, what our expectations for church has been um, over, over the years. And so what I wanted to do this morning is take, a, take this opportunity and have more of a dialogue amongst one another so that this way we can tap into what is the Holy Spirit speaking amongst us? Where is the Lord guiding us? Because he guides us through his scripture, and he guides us through the illumination and guidance of the Holy Spirit. And when he does that, he doesn't do it through a single person. The Holy Spirit resides in each and every one of us. We all have that same access to the Holy Spirit. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take some time to, to delve into some of the questions about church and about Christian community. And let's explore uh, maybe what some of our experiences have been, some of the feelings and thoughts that we've been we've been having now more recently. And let's see what the Lord wants to do with that. What is church intended to be? See, for a number of people, we kind of go through our lives and Sunday rolls around or maybe Wednesday night rolls around and we kind of hit the pause button on, on our life and go to church, get that out of the way and come back and then we can hit the play button and resume our lives. Is that what church is supposed to be? He's calling us to a new place, and so I want to kind of 
delve into that and talk amongst that. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a talk with some of um, our panelists, we'll call them this morning. And as we move along, too, I also want to give opportunity for anyone in the congregation, if you have a question or even comment to add to the conversation, please feel free. We'll, we'll have time for, to do that as well, because this is a participatory thing. One thing that the church is, is not observers, but participants. So we're going to participate together and, and really tap in uh, to what the Lord is doing in our midst. And so as we go forward, I'm first going to give opportunity for each one of the individuals up here to introduce themselves briefly and tell you just a tiny snippet of their experience of the church, their background of the church. Uh, Jake, why don't you kick us off? <laughs> Hello? Hi. So I'm Jake. Uh, so my experience with church, uh, I actually grew up in a house church um, for, you know, basically until I was about maybe 16, 17. Um, I went to a house church. Uh, and then uh, after the house church, my experience with church was kind of really different. Um, I didn't really kind of get a sort of a glimpse at uh, sort of what traditional church looked like until I was I went to college in Maine. Um, and I ended up going to like a, it was a startup church. It's a church that just started up uh, like a year ago when I had uh, started to go. And um, a lot of the discussion around church was actually talking about how it's just a, a beautiful train wreck um, in terms of what church was. And that this was a, a group of people that wanted to do church differently. They wanted to do church missionally. Um, and they realized that in order to do that, uh, you really needed to make sure that you need to build community. Um, and uh, yeah. That's great. Thank you, Jake. Uh, Patrice. You should. There we go. Um, hello, my name is Patrice, and my experience with church is um, uh, well, my first experience with church truly as an adult was in college. Um, attending a, a, my first time a larger church that I was actually involved in. And I began to, very, to realize very quickly that um, in a church, a church can actually be a family. And there's a lot of dynamics with even within that. And as I got a little older and was attending college and then did an internship at a church as a pastor, um, it became more impactful, the power of community, the power of togetherness and sharing life, sharing the highs and the lows. Um, it was my first time experiencing a home group within a church. Um, and uh, just couldn't, like you would, when you have something impactful happen in your life and you're eager to share it with the people that are most clo the closest to you, and the first thing you think of is your home group, that is powerful. Because these people have no outside influence other than the time that you spend with them in the home group. So when you are with them during the week and you have shared the highs and the lows, um, it's, 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 it impacts your life in no other way than I can ever experience. And as I continued um, moving, um, I was in the military, uh, I, attended a church and um, after I got up, well, I went to church, the one with the home groups. And then when I went into the military, um, again, it was, I pursued as a, I was a chaplain, 
um, groups together with soldiers and sharing um, sorrow, sharing struggles is a very powerful thing as well. So it's not just the highs, it's the lows. Yeah. Um, sharing the joys and the achievements in life as well as the lows and the prayer that you share with each other. Um, it's intimacy. And it's, that's, a, that's kind of a weird word to say in church, intimacy with each other. But um, And then uh, recently, in the last uh, probably few years, I went back to where I'm from, which is Louisiana, and attended a church there for several years that um, there they had 50 home groups in a church about this size, if you can imagine that. And every, every pew was full with 50 home groups, and I embraced it. I was like, having tasted it in other churches, I was like all about it, and I would just say it was just so very powerful, and I know I've talked too long, but thank you. <laughs> I got that's that one's all for you. <laughs> you got the puffy mic. Uh, good morning, my name is Sly. Uh, my morning, Matthew. My um, view on church. Um, I know there's a lot of feedback. Uh, was a little different culturally because I grew up in, born and raised in Puerto Rico. So um, it was very legalistic and uh, a lot of man-made doctrines that we followed. Um, so my experience with church was I went to church Monday through Sunday, <laughs> Sunday to Sunday. <laughs> like there wasn't there wasn't a day that we weren't at church, and it wasn't like this. We're going to church again. It was like ah, oh, we're going to church. We get to go to church again, and it's exciting because all my friends are there, and we get to go to people's houses, and we get to eat, and we get to laugh. And <laughs> right, Evie, Evie, Evie knows what I'm talking about. We grew up very similarly. Um, so it wasn't, we had Sunday morning service, Sunday night service, um, and then throughout the week, I remember, and this just came back to me, and maybe you can remember this too, that in the um, bulletin of the church, there was like your, your regular like women's thing, men's thing, whatever, but it said uh, service at Evie's house, service at Jake's house, service at, so it wasn't, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, Bible study or prayer meeting or whatever, it was service, you know, what we call like un culto, right? It was a, a service. And um, so at people's houses, when we went, we went and we ate and we prayed. And somebody over there in the corner had a guitar and they can half play, but it didn't matter because it was all for God. And we were all there like, hey, how was your week? You know, what can I pray for you about? But it wasn't forced. It was natural because we were involved in people's, in our lot, each other's lives. And you know, if you went to the store to get, uh, you know, bread, because there's a bakery in every corner. So if you go get bread, you're like, oh, let me grab some bread for Patrice. And you just drive by the house and you're like, hey, uh, here's some bread. I got a loaf for you and a loaf for me. And she's like, oh, I just made coffee. Come on in. Let's just chat. You know, so that's kind of like what I grew up in knowing as church was. Then at 19, I moved here to the States and I started to question a lot of things because the things that are done here traditionally is very different. And so um, it was uh, culturally a little bit more stale and I was confused because <laughs> I was like, but this is, this, the, these are God loving people. Like, why is it done the same? And I understood the cultural differences, but I did not understand the differences in regards to why weren't people getting together more if they were, um, 
God-loving people. Why weren't we spending more time with each other? So that really confused me. Um, so then since then, it's, you know, I'm 38, so it's been this, this rediscovery of <laughs> how, do we, how do we do this and how is it normal? What's awkward? What's not awkward? Do I embrace the awkwardness? You know, if the crap hits the fan, what do you do? Do you stink it up or do you just like clean it up and pretend it's not there? I don't know. So that's my experience with church. <laughs> well, wow. <laughs> Your turn, Kurt. Well, I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared. Hi, everybody. I, my name is Kurt, and um, my experience with church was that I had teeth in my mouth when I first went to church. <laughs> and, um, I was about eight years old. I went to a Baptist church. Um, um, okay. Um, I went to a Baptist church and they had a youth group called the Owana Youth Club. Does anybody remember the Owana Youth Club? We had gray shirts, red handkerchiefs, we read Bibles, memorized Bibles, uh, scripture, named the books of the Bible, etc., etc. Um, when I was about eight years old, I felt a strong leading of the Spirit of God. I didn't understand it or know what was going on, but to receive Christ as my personal Savior. So at nine years old, I, uh, the pastor of the church asked if anybody at the Oana Youth Program that Sunday night wanted to give their life to Christ. And I was compelled. Um, as I got older, um, I don't know about everybody else's walk. Um, I went to Sunday school all the time, you know, but I didn't really understand. Um, I, did, I really didn't understand what 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 was going on. And then I got older. I went into the Marine Corps, and somebody told. They said one thing. Somebody told me that I wasn't saved, and there was one thing that you cannot tell me, and that is that I'm not saved. That the Jesus who died for you, who's telling me I'm not saved, didn't save me. <clears throat> and so that was my first uh, spiritual argument. Then I became I became a pastor in a Baptist church in 1983. Um, I uh, stayed there for a little while. I went to uh, another church. I felt there was more. I felt there was something that I was missing. So I went to um, a denomination that you all might know as the Church of God in Christ. I became an elder at the Church of God in Christ. And um, not to beat up anybody, but I got beat up there by legalism, and I left. You know, it's like, you're not going to tell me something that I know better, because the Bible says that you check the Scripture and see whether or not what I'm saying is the truth, right? Be like those more noble barbarians who sought the scripture to see if things were so. So, my 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 issue, my experience was with doctrine, um, and 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 God was showing me different things. Okay, thank you guys very much. So, um, I want to open up the conversation this way. So, um, when coming to life in Christ is all about a transformed living. Right? It's a new way of life. And Romans 12, 2 talks about that. It says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing 
of your mind. And so when Paul writes this, he's writing to believers. He's writing to a new community of believers. And so the way that he says it, it makes it sound like they're at a crossroads. He says, don't be conformed. You have this opportunity to conform to the world. Instead, be transformed. So they have this, there's this, um, this choice that they have to make. He's saying, let's be transformed by renewing our minds. And so I'm wondering, too, for one or two of you who would respond to this, what has that process looked like for you, that process of transformation? Whoever wants to jump in first. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so the, the easiest way I can say this, and let me put it plainly, that I stopped playing church and I started getting real with God. Mm-hmm. And I... Um, I don't really speak for myself when I say that uh, it didn't take the lowest part of my life, although it was a, a, just a, a basic part of my life that I was like, I'm doing everything I know to do. It's not enough. I, I need a real, interactive, relational relationship. I'm hearing about it from other people, but I need it for myself. What do I need to, need to do is get this, to get this? and. Um, you hear, you gotta surrender all, you gotta surrender all. And it's true, you lay it down, but it's a daily dying. It's a daily laying it down. So the transformation didn't happen overnight. It's a journey, it's a process. We live in different seasons. And so I wanna encourage you with that. That's that's my experience with it. But um, I'm excited because we're all in different seasons and God's moving us forward. And praise God for the transformation, right? Yeah, it's a daily yeah. dying. Thank you. We choose some else. Oh, go ahead, Jake, and then we'll come back to you. Oh, no, the, the thing that I was, um, another biggest thing for me that sort of helped change the, you know, the transformation was just like realizing, like, because it talks about like, you know, not conforming to the ways of the world, right? And so to me, what that means is, is that it's conforming to the ways of the world is putting your your everything into something that's not going to save you. Like, you think that, like, oh, well, if I just made more money, or if I had more power, or if I just gained this particular status, if I got more likes on Facebook, I would, like, my life would be better. And I realized that there was, like, so many things that I was worshiping that just weren't, it wasn't God. Even with the church, my experience with the church was, like, I'm a good person because I I sacrifice and I do all these things, but I realized I was actually just worshiping the approval from pastors and other, you know, thing and not I wasn't even I didn't really care about God it was more about that status that I was getting yeah and so once that kind of I put that into light and realized that I was you know pursuing something you know these are these are idols that I was worshiping and uh and shifted the focus to realize and, and not to worship idols but to worship God that was a, a linchpin for me that just completely changed my perspective on everything because now a lot of my motivation doesn't come from status and how it makes me feel. It comes from me pursuing who is the identity and the character of God. And the more and more I learn about God, the more I am enamored with him. And the more I learn about his character, the more that character, I can show that character through my actions. Yeah, that's good. And then that's where, you know, community comes in is because if you're really mirroring the character of God, you're going to start seeing everybody the way he sees them. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Awesome. My, my, I'm not going to reiterate. Jacob and Patrice said, said it. Um, 
the only thing that I have to add is about Graceway. When I came here, I came here after trying to commit suicide. And I came here in, as an emotional wreck. Um, a good friend that I hadn't seen in 30 years invited me here, and I haven't left. This is a good church. We got a good pastor. I love each and every one of you. There are people here who stand out. There's two in the back who have a witness you would not believe. They shook my life, and God has taught me how to love. These people here see me snotting and snorting and tears and everything, completely broken down right here. God broke me down right here, and it wasn't too long ago. Real quick, I'll just add that for me it was um, desiring transformation and for my mind to be renewed uh, took a lot of intentionality. Surrendering things and laying them there, yes, asking the Lord, but intentionally pursuing that, intentionally being awkward, intentionally going and getting out of myself and my comfort zone, and intentionally seeking out community and friends and people who maybe were going to say things that I didn't want to hear, but I needed to hear. Yeah. So for me, it was that transformation came with a lot of intentionality. Yeah. So uh, we know that um, when Christ comes and gives us this new life, we are a new creation, like it is a done deal. But that transformation is a process, that sanctification, kind of old things kind of taking the sidelines and going away and and these new habits that we're forming. My question is along these lines, um, in you guys' experiences and how you've seen those changes in your lives, um, are, there, are there areas or things in your life where you saw it just kind of naturally transform and change um, without, almost without even trying? It just kind of caught you off guard, like, oh, I didn't realize I don't have a desire to do that anymore, versus changes that you wanted to make and had to put intentional effort into making those changes. What kind of what experiences have you had with those the natural versus having to work towards it and with the spirit? I'll go with the having to work towards it real quick since I ended with that intentionality comment. Um, intentionally, I had to uh, learn to be completely raw. And so my house has always been welcome to teenagers and kids because they are not judgmental. <laughs> but adults, we can be very judgmental and we're tainted by cynicism and all this junk in life, right? And so for me, intentionally, I had to say, okay, doesn't matter what my house looks like today or if I have that brand of coffee that my friend likes so much because everything has to be so perfect. It's okay that my life looks like what it looks like because I'm dependent on Jesus. I'm not dependent on my own self. I'm now dependent on his strength and in his love. So for me, intentionally, I had to uh, just say, all right, let's go do it. Come on in. I'm going to call you. I'm going to say, come over coffee. And this is what it looks like. <laughs> okay. One more. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm thinking back from when I, when I got serious with God and, um, it was during a trial, and I remember saying uh, to God directly on the, on the floor in my bedroom, um, I have nothing to offer you. I'm just a shell of a person going through this, but if you can take this and use it, then you can have all of it. And um, it seemed like 
the more I drew closer to him, the things of the world just kind of, I don't want to say they fade away, but just kind of the focus became, it was different. The focus was different. The heart choices were different. And what used to be fun was not fun anymore. When I say fun, I mean, I have a conviction about the choices I made. And um, I, don't, I don't know that, in, well, I was going to say, I don't know that anybody really, it's like easy, easy to make the transition. But I think the more you draw closer to God, he says to be thee holy for I am holy. And the Hebrew word for that is pure. So the choices that we make are not the way they used to be. They're different. As we're, if we're reading our word, if we're seeking, drawing to him, it's just, it's just a different life. Um, That's good. Thank you. Um, so we know that with, with Christ, like our lives are transformed as individuals, as individual sons and daughters of God, but we're also called together where you know countless analogies throughout the new testament of we are one body we are one family we are a unit we are together so this transformation is individual but it's also like coming together a group of people that are transformed or in other words a, a communal transformation my question is um what parts of communal transformation have you experienced um, and what parts of that have been maybe a little uncomfortable Vulnerability, being vulnerable in a group. That's scary. <laughs> so, one of my favorite things I love to talk about is the three dimensions of the cross. You, or at least a lot of the times it's talked about as like two dimensions. You have your vertical dimension, that's the relationship between you and God. And then you have the horizontal dimension, which is the relationship between you and others. I think there's a third. There's like the middle where the two join, and that's your relationship with self. That's your identity. Um, I think those three dimensions are actually like really, really important when it comes to learning more about who God is, learning because they all three work together. It's not like they come in any particular order. You can't really I, – I, tr- I I like to think logically about things, so I'm constantly trying to put them in order of like, no, you need to get your relationship with yourself first, and then you can have a relationship <laughs> with others. And, but I'm realizing like it should, you, it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think the thing that's really cool is that um, you know when Jesus died, he died to sort of you know uh, recon- you know you have that reconciliation between us and God through his death, but it was also a reconciliation between people. Because there was, you know, you had these camps where it's like, well, you're Jew and you're Gentile, and and Jesus's death sort of broke those barriers. Yeah. And now people could relate to each other, and they didn't have to build up these, you know, separations between one another. Mm-hmm. They could start to mix it all in. Um, uh, what was that? <laughs> that, was, that was really good. What was your what, question? What parts, yeah. It was a lot. What parts of the um, Communal transformation of your experience, and what are the uncomfortable parts? What parts yeah. have been difficult? So the the I mean, the, as far as the actual transformation goes, I've found that first of all, like a lot of transforming of myself comes with it's not just being by myself. I actually so we lived uh, we lived in Maine for a, a while, and uh, um, we participated in the church in in Portland, um, 
but our participation was actually fairly sporadic. We had moved out uh, about 30 minutes. It was actually about 30 to 45 minute drive out from, from where it was. Uh, and for us, that was just way too far. And so oftentimes we just didn't go to church at all. And we were kind of like in the middle of the woods, like in our sort of solitude. Um, and there's a lot of things that got hashed out in that solitude. Like I kind of almost consider it to be like a wilderness, a wilderness time in a sense. Um, but there's still stunted growth there because you don't grow until you start to interact with each other. I like to think of it as like, we all have like puzzle pieces of the character of God and we can't like share it with them other than describing what this puzzle piece looks like, you know? Um, there's also a really, really great John Foreman, uh, lyric that basically talks about like although we have our disagreements the line we've drawn between us is hopefully the line that pulls us through um and just kind of realizing that like we're all going to have our own unique perspectives on all of this and it's those unique perspectives that actually help us shape the character of god and i know for me like that's the way that's looked at my life has been um making an intentional you know choice to not be fake yeah not to put up a mask, not to put up a, you know, like who I, like, I, I do try to strive that, like, essentially who I portray myself to be is actually who I really am. That always doesn't, that doesn't play out 100% of the time, um, but it is something I, I try to do. Yeah. Um, and I'm constantly, that's one of the things, too, where I'm almost constantly checking myself of, like, am I just trying to put up a front to make people think that I'm this person, or am I really just putting forward my true self? Yeah, that's so good. I think I've seen community go so far in a church, and then we freak out <laughs> <laughs> because it becomes too vulnerable and it's scary, and we start to see all sides of each other, and then we take a step back, and then it stops. And then months later, you're like, wait, there's nobody around me anymore. <laughs> I'm doing this thing alone, and now I'm fearful. Now I'm full of doubt. Now I'm What's, what's, what's going on? I was intended to be in relationship with my brother and my sister, but because I got this far and it was so good, now I'm not safe anymore. Now my guard is going up slowly again until we realize that we've backed up and our guard is so high that we're alone. And that's very strategic, I believe, from the enemy to get us alone. Yeah. You know, and to, a, to a certain extent, anytime that we go out um, in public or, or anywhere we're amongst people where you can't totally just be who you naturally are. It takes a level of energy to put across a certain, a certain, yeah, a certain um, impression or a certain face upon people. And so because it takes energy and effort, you can only do that for so long. It's like, oh, I just need to go home. <sighs> but that's not what we're supposed to be as a church. When we come together, just being who you are, it doesn't suck the life out of you because you're not putting effort into being something else that you're supposed to, that you think you're supposed to be. Instead, the effort goes into giving attention to one another and building one another up, like the scriptures teach us. Um, that when you were talking, Jake, it made me think about you mentioned the differences, how the Lord didn't just reconcile us to himself, but he reconciled us to one another, like people groups coming together. And so now we don't look at one another's differences and say, okay, you belong in that box, you belong in that box. Instead, we look at these different categories and our differences and we can celebrate those things and recognize that our differences are actually strengths when we are centered in, on, on Christ, who is our solid foundation. Now our differences add value to us as a whole. 
and give us a new a newfound strength. So Acts chapter two talks about um, and other and throughout Acts it talks about a vibrant, healthy, strong Christian community. And so it also tells us in in chapter five it talks about how the the believers were were feared amongst the people. It says they were feared or revered amongst the people. And at the same time that the believers continue to grow, more people were coming to faith in Christ. So I'm curious to know, um, what, are, what is the closest thing that you have experienced to that type of, that type of dynamic? The fact where the, the level of transformation that we're living at as a community, it grabs the attention of people and makes them uncomfortable. There's a, there's a certain reverence saying, okay, we, this is something serious, like I'm keeping my distance. But at the same time, there's a, there's a magnetism to it. So you're repelled, you say, I don't know what that's all about, but at the same time, something inside is drawing you to it. Pastor, I found, and, and church, I found Christ in me is my only hope. Scripture says Christ in you is our hope of glory, but he's my only hope. And there's nobody going to be attracted to me if I was being my quote-unquote faith self. But through Christ and his forgiveness and through the teaching right here at this church, I became free to worship, to learn about the levels and stuff. That, that's that one. But you know what? To know for sure, to know that there is no way God is going to ever let me go and there's no way that he can be snatched out of, out of that I can be snatched out of God's hand. Thank you, Manny. Um, um, that settled my root cause. Being a minister doesn't mean a thing. We're, we're in college, Episcopal college, this and that. doesn't mean I know anything. And I got caught up in that stuff. And you know what? God emptied me out. June, June, January the 10th, the 6th, 2014. On January the 10th, 2014, they let me out of the hospital. My friend I hadn't seen in 30 years came to my house on January the 10th, 2014, invited me right here. scripture right when it talks about how they were like feared yeah um and then but like there's still like kind of an attraction there i know that for me like like asking somebody to be 100 percent their authentic self that's not an easy i know for me like that's something that scared me to death mm -hmm. right because it's like you're still caught up in like what are people going to think of me how, how am i going to be conceived and like even you know interacting with people who were who were striving to do that like i was kind of really like i remember i remember going because like uh, I remember going to some of the church services in Portland and leaving with such a weight because it was like all these things that he was talking about were things that were like, seemed so intense for me. Mm -hmm. And I think part of it too, though, is it was because like, I still didn't quite understand exactly 
what he was getting at. Um, and I kind of realized now that like this is essentially what he was talking about and these things that like weighed so heavily on my heart that like just made it, you know, yeah. that kind of almost trained me. Um, the, like these were the things like asking people to do this is not, that's not an easy task. Yeah. Um, and it's actually something that doesn't happen overnight. It's something that takes practice. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I know for me that like, the more and more times I've sat down and had like really authentic conversations with people. And I've even just kind of like invited people into my own darkness. Like the parts that you purposely keep people out of, yeah. like those are the most powerful times because then you get to, they offer perspectives that you didn't consider and you start to learn from people and one another. Yeah. And a lot of, and most often actually the response I get isn't judgment. The response is like me too. Like I have this problem too. Like, yeah. like let's let's compare notes, you know. <laughs> so good. Either of you two ways want to respond to that? So I've had a few experiences um, with people asking. Um, you know, I actually recently—it's weird to even say this—but um, I do a group. I'm a chaplain at Newport Hospital, and I do a group on the mental health floor, and um, we talk about a lot of different things in the group, and at the end of it, I, the, one of the gals said, um, you, you seem like you, you know, you're so peaceful with your present, the way you present, and you're calm when you're talking about it, and I said that there's, the peace I have is not really something that I, I try to have. It's because the only hope I have, it is the only hope. It is the only hope I have. It's the only hope for the future. It's what I rely on. It's the cornerstone, the anchor. It's the only hope I have is from Jesus. So, um, I don't know. With with that, there's there's a powerful force within with the hope. You don't have hope. What do you have? Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean. Let me, let me ask you this. Let's talk about this um, briefly. In um, Hebrews 10.25, the scripture says, don't forsake assembling together. That's the instructions to the Hebrew church. And many people use that verse to support the idea of don't stop going to church on Sundays. Right? And, um, I'd like to ask ask you guys and, and any of the congregation to feel free to you know show, throw up your hand if you have a question or a comment. But um, in your opinion, does attending Sunday morning service satisfy the meaning of that instruction? When, no. when it says when it says don't forsake assembling together, and so we come to church on Sunday mornings, um, does that satisfy that instruction? Sorry, Kathy, no. I like that tune. Sorry. I think that I think that it goes outside the doors of this church. You all are we're all friends. We should find time to get together between Monday and Saturday as well as. You know what I mean? We should have care and concern one for another. No, don't just say I might be weak on Tuesday and you're strong and I need I need your help. You know, so if we're 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 brothers and we got communication, I can call you. Or I can call my pastor or anybody. And so we're here for you on Sundays. That's not enough. 
No. Something, so something's wrong with the way we're doing things. Yeah, we do. Okay. All right. That's good. Any other thoughts on that? What are you guys' other um, feelings? So much happens in the week, right? Mm-hmm. So many highs and lows in the week. So uh, I would say that shared pain is a very powerful thing, but shared victories are just the same. Ah, yeah, that's good. So, <laughs> celebrating each other's success. My success is yours, and yours is mine. Um, you know, this week my heart was really broken for um, how badly we've tainted community. And I'm not sure I can even properly express, like, what that looks like or what that taint is, but my heart just was just shattered at the thought of how we ourselves have tainted community. The very thing that uh, we're meant to have, the very, very thing that, um, that God wants to have with us, that intimacy, that vulnerability, you know, we, we want it, but we've made it out to be something that it's not supposed to be because we've put our fingers in it. We've put our gross little fingers in, in tainting what community should look like. And so it's no longer um, an organic thing. It's more like it's all natural. And then you read the label and it has a bunch of crap in it. It's really not organic any longer because that that soil has been tainted with other things. And, you know, we as a, as churches or as different, different um, bodies, we are always striving for community. And what does that look like? And how can we make it work? And that's the problem. We're working so much at it that it's no longer organic. It's not happening because it's not normal. We've tainted it and we've made it something that it was never intended to be. Um, we're going to move towards the close here, so I just want to ask one or two other questions. Um, a lot of people, um, in my experience, just kind of like over the years, a lot of believers express a feeling of weakness or inability or just not quite there yet to turn a corner and be able to serve others and, and help others. So they feel just weak in their faith and walk in Christ. My question is, um, do you think that that is somehow related to the, our level of community, to our level of oneness with one another. Is that weakness related to that? Absolutely. 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 100% yes. If I have a friend over and, you know, they're going through a, a low or, you know, a place of valley, that's like a weak moment. And that person remains walking through that by themselves and they don't reach out they don't make that effort that intentional point to say hey i'm i'm walking through this can you come walk with me can you come alongside can we walk through this together we're going to strengthen like he was saying like at one point we're going to say me too me too it's not just you and then through that something beautiful happens because we allow the lord to take his place we allow him to take his place and we can encourage one another. We can say, hey, yeah, me too. Can I pray for you? Can you pray for me? Because that's exactly what I'm going through. It just sounds different. The verbiage is a little different. What you're saying and I'm saying, it may sound different, but at, we're at the same place. So absolutely. I was going to say, and also um, I've talked about highs and lows, but one big thing 
even if you're married, is, is if you share life together, you're not alone. Aloneness is a big thing. Whether you're married or whether you are living alone or you just kind of get through life, aloneness is a big thing. And when you share community, um, people have an awareness of you and you have an awareness of them. So it's, um, you know, Okay. Yeah, that's good. Um, so to add it, because you use the word, you know, like some you use the word weakness, right? And I think that's like that's where you start. You start with your weakness mm -hmm. and you don't hide it. You let people in. That's good. Wow. Yeah. It's interesting because um you talk about not hiding not hiding the weakness. Um but being vulnerable. And just like we're supposed to be vulnerable and surrender to the Lord, um, it's the same thing with one another. Being vulnerable and surrendering, showing who we really are to one another. And um, that is, it is scary and it is intimidating because it's like, hey, I'm, I'm like exposing like who I really am, like my core to someone else. And not knowing how that's going to be received, is um, that can be a little intimidating. Um, but in that place is power. Tapping into that is um, an unexpected um, power that, that I think is why we haven't realized a lot of the things that the, the New Testament talks about, and the power and the life and the vibrancy of church. Why are we experiencing that? Because we're not tapping into the root. We're not being who we truly are. Um, before we do wrap up, I want to give opportunity for a kind of question or really comments from the congregation. This is not, this just happens to be a panel that I thought was relatively representative of our congregation as well as our community. Um, but they don't necessarily speak for you. I want to make sure, again, we are participatory, not just um, observing. So is there anything, any comments, anything that would like to be shared? Thank you. You know, there, there are quite a few things that the panelists had spoke about, and some of these things stuck out. The intimacy and the reality of the person being revealed. And my point, as far as me saying intimacy, intimacy is the willingness to come alongside. Intimacy comes in wanting to allow yourself to be vulnerable, exposing yourself, the real self, See, the world teaches us that if we do this, then we're going to get wounded, and you're, and you're going to be under attack. Jesus put himself in such an arena where he was constantly being attacked. And, and you're saying, well, Norman, you're talking about Jesus. Jesus lives in us. Be vulnerable. Be willing to get hurt. The, the reason being is the ability to be healed through that hurt is what comes through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within you. How are we to become a community if we don't allow ourselves to be vulnerable, to be exposed? And maybe, you know, maybe I don't have the right to say this, but I'm saying it because I am the community. I am this church, and so is everybody in this room. And I love everybody in this room. Why? Because we're all standing here in the name of Jesus, being here, to be taught, to be led by him. Let's expose ourselves. Let's be willing to make ourselves vulnerable because that's the only way that we can become intimate with one another to that level that Jesus wants us to be. 
that God made us to be. That's good. I just started smirking. I didn't think of the sound bite. Let's expose ourselves. Let's expose ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> One one thing, common theme I noticed in everything that they said toward the beginning was they grew up in different situations, but all of them expecting God and church to be a certain sort of thing. And we all start there, right? We learn from our parents or the, the folks we grow up with what's real, what's not real. And then you, you reach a point in your own life where you come to question those things and you start to ask yourself, somehow, one way or another, Salai moved from one culture to another and that shook her out. Jake went to one, had home church and then eventually reached college and it was just a different world. And suddenly, for every one of us, we reach a point where we say, this isn't what I expected it to be. This is, this is different than anything I've seen before. And, you know, the Spirit of God works in us in that way and questions, causes us to look at our lives and say, what's real? What really matters after all? And some of us, we hear that question come into our minds and we look to the Lord to answer it and we find the truth there. And some of us say, the truth is in me. What I want to do is what's the right thing to do. I don't think anyone will die and find themselves in hell and honestly be able to say, I never had a chance, I never heard differently. I think the Spirit of God works in every one of us through that lifetime, through that common experience of growing up and reaching a point where we try to figure out which end is up. And that's the Spirit of God working in you, calling at your heart. And then what you do with that, you know, the, we, we are a gift to one another in this church. You know, I need you and you need me. Yeah. Might not like me, don't have to. <laughs> but you need me anyway. And I need you to become who I am. That, we are God's gift to one another. And if I want to know him, I have to know you. Yeah. That's how I see God. Yeah. You know, yeah. in you. Thank you for sharing that. Just a couple more, I'm going to wrap up. All right. I was just thinking that, okay, you can be vulnerable and you can be intimate, but what happens after? Um, I think what we need to do is be open to, if God brings one of us to, to mind, you know, to pray for them. And not just, you know, like, oh, that was an incident. You know, you pray for me, it's all done. It's finished, you know, so we're family. That's good. Yeah, when he brings us to mind, it's, it's easy to throw up a prayer, but follow it up with a text or a call or just an awareness that you're on my heart and mind. Before Kristen speaks, I just want to share something really quick. I love what um, Papa was saying about needing each other because it's so true. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it's always somebody. <laughs> doesn't necessarily always mean that it's a positive it could also mean that I need a rebuke I need something that I don't even know that I'm needing or that I absolutely need to check myself about but we walk away from that out of that need like wait I'm gonna back up back up because that hurts my pride and it hurts my flesh and I don't want that but we do need each other 
in the positive and in the negative. Yeah. And I would just want to reiterate something that my sister said over here that um, when we go through those trials, when you're sharing life with someone, it's you're reminded by that person that you're you may have be going through the trials, but the trials don't define you. You may have survived it, but you are a victor. And that that trial will be something that God will use. Um, so if you have gone through it and now you're sharing your life with someone else and they have something similar, it's, it's, it's God has got me through this. Yeah. You're going to get through this too. Yeah. It's an encouragement. We build each other up. We we sharpening each other. Yeah. We bleed together. We sharpen each other. It's, it's yeah. such a powerful force. I, I, I can't even tell you. Well, I can tell you. Because the group that I was in, in Oregon, when I was uh, on staff there, I'm still in contact with them. Yeah. We're still praying for each other. In our hearts, we are believers sharing life. Mm. Yeah. Yes, no I'll matter what you know. <laughs> Re- Revelation says that. Really quick. we got to move on. But Revelation says, says that the saints overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. I have the blood of the Lamb, but I need your testimony. I have mine, but it's our testimony. We need one another because that's where the overcoming is. Kurt mentioned it. This might be a rough day for me, but your testimony is going to help carry me through to the next day. And praying for each other. What she was saying about the church, you're still in contact with your old church and community, and we pray and we talk. Same experience. How beautiful is that to be able to stay in in connection with your prior family? Yeah. May I say something just Wait, guys, guys, we got Kristen's Kristen's got the floor. Kristen's got the floor. I have the mic now. <laughs> um one of one of the biggest things that I was thinking about about the community is how hard it is to actually be community. Like it's it's well it's 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 scary. Like when you start becoming vulnerable and like when I first came back and I started coming here, I was like, this person wants to talk to me. You know, like I even though I don't appear very shy, I am and then getting to know especially the women more in the church, it does get scary. Like, oh like she's starting to get to know me and you take a step forward and you take a step back and and that happens and um the past few weeks, you know, I tend to text and bother Sly a lot and send out like group to, to edit Sly or whatever. And I last week I was like, wait, am I really bugging them too much? And like, so this week I kind of like didn't text and then she texted like, how's your week? Because she was so used to me texting, but then you feel like you're a burden on someone because you keep bugging them. But then I'm like, wait a minute. You know, so, so, so it is like for me, that's a hard thing. So, like, I'll bug you guys this next week and start stopping by for eggs again. <laughs> but it, it is hard. Yeah, just when you start becoming vulnerable. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, Kristen. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Don't you perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I mean, the Lord is doing a new thing in us. It excites me. My spirit is like jumping inside because I know that something is just around the bend that I haven't yet seen, but I know that it's so good. The Lord is carrying us to this this new place. And what we are going to to see and experience and be part of is something like we've never known before. That's exciting. Um, My challenge to you going out from from, um, service this morning is this. John 21 
starting in verse 15. Um, take some time to read through that passage this week. John 21, 15 to 19. John 21, 15 to 19. Take some time to read through that. And as you do, it's a conversation between Jesus and Peter. And I want you to place yourself in Peter's shoes as if you and Jesus, you are having this conversation with Jesus. Put yourself in his shoes and see how the, how the Spirit would speak to you this week. John 21, 15 through 19. And, and see what he would say to you. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you so much that you have given us all of yourself, and we also acknowledge that you have given us one another. Bring us to this place where we can be just as thankful to you that you have given us one another as we are that you have given us yourself. Mm, help us with that, Lord. But Lord, even as we just take one little baby step at a time, one little step at a time, Lord. I know we're going to see your faithfulness. I know we're going to see your blessing upon it, Lord. And I know that you're going to be able to do things and bring us deeper in our walk with you than we knew, but we ever knew possible. And so we're, we are ready for that, Lord. And so, yeah, there's, there's pain points to coming together. There's, there's discomforts that come with, with building a community that you want us to be. But along with that pain comes strength. And I know, Father, that that is what you are imparting unto us, Lord. Your will is not that we be hurt or sacrificed. Your will is that we be strengthened and made whole, and we are moving to that place through the hurt and through the sacrifice. So continue to speak to us this week as we go through our days. I pray that you would put one another on our hearts and minds to pray for and to reach out for and to, to begin to be uh, this closer-knit community that you've, you're making us into. We love you, Jesus. Thank you. In your holy name we pray. Amen. 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 Be well, family. Love you guys.